I was always just drinking a little bit and smoking weed, but then as like it progressed and I got hurt, I kind of turned to like, you know, painkillers, okay. right? And I always had a uh, prescription for Adderall. Today's podcast is brought to you by one of the absolute best real estate agents in the Cleveland market, Tom Sugar with Howard Hanna Real Estate. Tom's here to help you understand the home buying and selling process. He's here to ensure that you're also always going to get the best price, whether you're buying a home or whether you're selling a home, and his customer service skills are top notch. Give Tom a call at 216-406-2841. That's 216-406-2841. You can call or text him or visit his website, Sugar. Sugsells.com, S-H-U-G-S-E-L-L-S.com. Visit Tom Sugar, everybody. He is the best. Well, man, welcome back, everybody. We're here in uh, Costa Mesa with my boy Nick Massa. Nick has some really cool stuff going on right now. He's big into social media. You're doing a lot of videography. You've been working with poopies a little bit. What's going on, man? What's the, what's the journey all about? Yeah, so... You know, I'm originally from New York, New Jersey, but uh, I made my way all the way out here into California. I've been dabbling in the social media scene for a little bit of time now. Yeah, I just kind of connected with, you know, different people out here, different social media influencers, marketing, stuff like that. And, you know, I've crossed paths with Poopies and, you know, I've been dabbling with him and just content creation. Uh, He's been opening so many doors for me and just stuff along those natures. But it's really exciting stuff and uh, I'm excited to kind of talk about it and dude i love it yeah i saw some of your stuff that's how i I met you was through 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 sean and um i mean you're you're fucking killing it why i mean do you enjoy social media is it the videography portion what's your favorite part about what you're doing see i think about social media it's pretty cool just because you know there's, there's such a big audience you can reach growing up you know i always played sports and stuff so I was able to meet a lot of people, but also it's kind of building a brand as well. So subconsciously, I was kind of already doing a lot of stuff in the social media space without even really knowing. You know, a pivotal point in my uh, my life was when, you know, my baseball career ended and I kind of got into social media. You're crushing it. So like, yeah. like why social media? Why did you decide to do this? Because like, I think the other side of it is, you said you're playing baseball. Yeah. That had stopped for you there was a time in your life obviously where baseball was no longer and just to give everybody a little background nick played d1 ball so that dream was very real for you mm-hmm. as far as going to the pros right and yeah going into the league so why don't you do that talk about that talk about those last days and understanding hey baseball's over for me i have to make a change what, what was that like where's your head at at that time i think for me so you know, growing up, baseball has always been such a pivotal point in my life. It's everything that I did. So when I got the injury, I tore my UCL for the first time, and then I later on tore it again. And that was everything I wanted to do, right? So growing up, it was to play professionally. Originally, it was play college, and then, you know, you play professionally. I remember I came back from this one injury, and I was killing it, right? And I was getting calls from, the, you know, the Yankees, Red Sox, all this stuff. So my dream was about to become, you know, a reality, right? And then it gets taken away from me and I kind of was left there with you know my back against the wall and this is the first time in my life that I really had adversity so I knew I had a friend in college that you know his name is Jesse Boyce and he kind of helped me transition back out of sports and kind of get into you know a different scene 
I knew I always wanted to stay in social media just because it was like, you know, I never really wanted to work like that traditional nine to five job. Right. Like, that was going to be like the death of me. Sounds miserable. <laughs> yeah. Like fucked all that. Being dude. stuck behind a desk, having a responsibility to wake up and it just wasn't for me. Right. And I always wanted to, you know, kind of get into the entertainment business and just kind of, you know, do stuff along those lines. So my buddy was killing it in this space. So I was I decided to, you know, give it a shot. It really just started off as a hobby. Like that was the first thing that kind of started gaining traction in it as like time came. Right. And then I took kind of the same principles in baseball, like hard work, uh, waking up, doing your craft, getting better at it, kind of stuff like that. And, you know, investing enough time into it, you know, a door sooner or later opened up for me. And after that door opened up, I was like, oh, wow, I could probably do this. What was the uh, mental toll for you at that point? So you had your eyes on the prize, right? This Mm -hmm. is what I want. This is where I'm going. I'm getting calls from the big leagues. When you realized that wasn't going to happen, how bad did that fuck with you? Oh, that put me down a spiral of stuff. So, you know, playing baseball a lot growing up, it's already a mental sport, right? So it's like you're pitching. I remember I was already hard on myself to begin with so like growing up and you know having that like all right this is where my goal is i'm already set it for the mountains so if i don't get there at least like i'll be somewhere in the mountains right and that's always kind of how i always did it so especially when baseball was taken away from me i didn't really know who i was like at all and that was like something that was very difficult for me because it was like when i centered my life around baseball my whole life to strip that identity from me i'm left there with you know nothing so my main way of coping was through drugs and alcohol. Okay. You know, and that's kind of how I coped because it was like when you're playing sports and you're doing a bunch of stuff in those fields, like it's hard to mimic that type of feeling, especially like playing under the lights. You know what I mean? There's like, nothing like There's it. nothing like nothing it. Nothing so like, like it, dude. Nothing. What was your drug of choice? My drug of choice? Well, growing up, you know, I was always just drinking a little bit and smoking weed, but then as like it progressed and I got hurt. I kind of turned to, like, you know, painkillers, right? And I always had a uh, prescription for Adderall, which is, you know... Which is everybody that's our age, dude, for real. (laughs) And it's it's crazy. And I really testify a lot to this because, like, normal fifth graders, man, like, you're, like, talking a lot, you're in classrooms, like, you're doing a lot of normal fifth grade stuff. And then next thing you know, I'm taking Adderall at fifth grade. I don't even know how old that is, but... I just remember sitting inside of a classroom and I'm just laser focused on this chalkboard and everyone's like talking around me. That's just not normal. Right. right? Of course. I agree. So I have this medication now and I've taken it for a bunch of years. And I think this really kind of progressed my drug addiction just because it was like I was used to that Adderall high because Adderall produces such a high. I'm the same way, man. Yeah, there's like a euphoria behind it. Dude. Yeah insane it's amazing i don't know how they get away with like dude uh, you know all right so i used to work at um, a high-end car dealer in cleveland ohio a couple of them and i had a client telling the salesperson some somebody one of our high-end clients had said to somebody he goes yeah it's uh prescribed cocaine that's what yeah. it is, dude. And yeah. it really fucking is. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, too, is like, I heard that. And I heard, like, legal meth. Yeah, I've heard legal meth. I've never done meth, thank no, God. Me I, I, don't, I don't intend on that. So, painkillers, what were you doing, like, Perks? Yeah, Percocets, Vicodin. After my first surgery, so, it was more along the lines, like, it wasn't just dabbling in it. I mean, I was, too, because, like, subconsciously, too, I was probably like, okay, I don't feel good. Like, this makes me feel extremely good 
right? right and then you know i was already taking adderall on a daily basis and like you know taking that for prolonged seven to six years you know it's you're gonna get a tolerance to it oh, right yeah. and i was already taking such high volumes of it right i, I remember when i was like in eighth grade i already had the max prescription of everything so oh, wow yeah you were so, turning it up in eighth grade, <laughs> yeah, so bro, i was really go. like in prime time like using without even realizing it and like not even aware of it so yeah yeah i mean that's crazy bro because you're right that's exactly what yeah. that is you have built a tolerance you're a child still but you're a full-blown addict almost yeah at the full-blown full-blown like addict like and then i get hurt right so like now i'm like okay well and i realize the adderall and stuff because you know you do a little research online they tell you literally everything yeah you're like okay well like this is kind of like a painkiller as well like it it helps you with like inflammation so my genius ass was just like okay well like i'm hurt i need to like still pitch and play at a high level so i was like okay well if i take this i won't feel as much pain and then i was introduced you know painkillers after surgery so i was like wow like okay but every time i took a painkiller i would go down a little bit Mm -hmm. so i was like well how do i you know it's all about balance with the <laughs> yeah, drugs balance, right yeah. you know so i was like well you know i got this other thing in my hand like maybe if i just take them both like time it out perfectly maximize and i won't be tired but i still won't feel pain so i can still go out there and throw a little nines still play at a very high level and this is when like the thinking and like all this stuff really started to go downhill because i was like okay well like I started to identify like myself and my performance and my success with drugs. So I was like, okay, well, if I wanted to be successful, it came in a pill. Did you get a euphoria from the like the painkillers too? Yeah, yeah. Huh. What were you using? Like at first, it starts with like low five. Yeah, and then, and then you kind of build up a tolerance. Just it started off with such a low dosage, and then I just kept progressing. Right. Yeah, and then. That opened the door to just so many other things. Fortunate enough, I never got into like any serious, serious hardcore stuff. I was able to stop it before that road. Right. I didn't really destroy everything at that point. But uh, and you're one of the few. Oh, because most people, even that I know, that's how it all started. You know, and it, for whatever reason, it always starts with an injury. Oh yeah. But everybody seems to end up shooting dope. Oh my god everybody and um the adderall is not enough so they smoke crack with it oh yeah you know and like that's a lot of the people that i've met even doing some of these interviews and some of them i haven't even aired because i'm like man i don't know that's a little raw, <laughs> dude yeah. i've done some dude and i'm like ah, i don't know yeah but it's great conversation was what was your rock bottom moment what was that moment when you're like okay i can't keep doing this I think it was after my second injury because I was I was in a prime of drug addiction, but I also had baseball. So like I still was getting like society's hurrah, like oh my, like you're doing well, bro. Mm -hmm. Like you're doing extremely well. Like you're killing it. Like you're getting all these calls. Like in society, you're killing it. But like inside, like it was killing me. Yeah. So now you take that identity away from me. So like, what do I have to offer? You know, on a daily basis, like everything I did was around baseball. So I can't even go out there and play. Right, I don't even feel good enough to walk out and be on a field. And it reminded me of everything in the past. It was like a trigger. Yeah. So now I'm just left in my room in college. I remember I had my, I came back and I had my own apartment. Right. Well, later did I find out it just allowed me to do my drugs by myself <laughs> and completely hide everything, dude. The isolation's a bitch. I always, I talk to people about this as much as I possibly can because you don't want to isolate. That's the last thing you want to do, right? Oh, yeah. Is, and and for me, when I went through mine. I'd gone through a bad breakup and then 
immediately following that breakup just made a string of horrendous decisions. Oh, yeah, you never make good ones. And I was just out of my head blaming everybody else and their grandma for my problems. I was a mess, dude. And, um, yeah, I I totally feel that. I totally, totally feel that. Do you think, uh, like, what was your relationship with your parents and your family like at that point? My relationship with my parents, so growing up, too, like, we were always, like, kind of tightly knitted. But, like, my dad was always, like... I learned from him, so it was like work hard, like do your stuff. Like he always traveled, like he had his own business, architecture business, and was always doing, you know, things that required him to leave the state. And at the time, like I would look at that and, you know, he's my biggest role model growing up and I still think he is my biggest role model. But every time I talk to somebody that talks to my father, he's like, you're exactly like him. I took that mentality from him and I adapted it into my own life, right? It's like it's what you see is what you know right and that's the whole purpose of the podcast i swear to god i mean i think that's the coolest thing is to be able to talk to different people like you do with your dad you took some things that you love and you put those in your tool belt this is what i like and that's why i always like to do this because your story is actually really interesting and i think it's most interesting because you didn't end up down the road of shooting dope there was a point where you ended up stopping so it does show people that it is possible and you know you were lucky you didn't ruin everything in your whole life oh you know to make it happen because for me yo dude i was at ground zero and i ruined so many relationships and did Mm -hmm. so many stupid things and told so many lies i was just i was a fucking mess dude so to to see somebody that's got out of it kind of clean if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so did you end up going to rehab? Okay. I went to rehab after, came back after my first injury, and then I got hit with COVID. I had to leave my apartment, right? And so I left my apartment in the city, and the only place I could really go was home, right? Because I was in ground zero of COVID. Like, I was in the Bronx. Like, the first case ever was down the street from me. Oh, wow. It's crazy. So, like, when all that stuff came down, I thought it was, like, zombie apocalypse, like, and I'm already a little, like, out there just because I've been using for so long. And, like, at that point, it was, you know, I, was, I started introducing psychedelics and stuff like that nature. So it was, like, I'm all over the map. Yeah. In a low-grade, probably, psychosis in college while mm-hmm. actually performing at a high level, putting it together, I had to come home. And because I got nowhere to go, I had to tell me to leave my apartment in college. Like, school's like, you got to get out of here. Wherever you go, we don't care where you go. You're just not staying here. So I come home. Again, like nothing really changes besides I just bring my drug addiction home. Right. Now I'm in a house with my mom and my dad and yet alone my younger sister. And I've been living this lifestyle for, you know, a good one year or two years. So it's normal to me. Like wake up. You know what I mean? Use. And this time I lost it again. So I was like, okay, well, the pain's bad. The first time Lisa was kind of in my control. This time I got taken away from a season. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't even know what to do. Yeah, you're destroyed mentally. Yeah, and I was kind of like, I had big expectations for this year because I came off and I was like, and I was kind of, you know, getting a name for myself at that point. And uh, it got taken away from me again, and I thought I was going to get drafted that year. So that was a big year to miss. my mind, everything shattered again. Like, I just lost a season. I'm going to be on the shelf for again for a year. Like, that's how my brain automatically went from it. I didn't get injured again at that point, you know? It was just an unfortunate something out of my control happened, right? The whole world shut down, right? So I'm sitting there, and I am now have this drug addiction inside my house. My parents are like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, this is normal. Like, You don't think anybody knows, <laughs> no, they dude. Like, Everybody knows, yep. And you realize once you get out of that and you look back at it, and you're like, oh, my God, dude, that was bad. 
Oh, yeah. I was real bad. And you're, like, sitting there, and you're like, wow, you came so far, Nick. But also, like, what the hell were you thinking? And I think that's something we all struggle with. I think the tough part, too, is, like, looking back and knowing you can't change any of it. Yeah. Because even for me, like, you know, there's a lot of times where I wish I could go back or, like, people I could talk to and and, and say sorry. But I kind of deal with that now is understanding that sorry wouldn't fix it. You know what I mean? Like, me saying sorry to those people wouldn't change anything. It wouldn't bring anybody back. It wouldn't make it better. wouldn't take the pain away. It's just like, you know, just let it be. Yeah. You know, and that's it. That's that's kind of what I have to do now. But, um, yeah, that's that's tough. So you go to rehab then. Yeah, I go to rehab in that COVID year. Okay. And I'm in, sitting in this rehab in New Jersey. And I remember I'm just sitting there and I'm like, well, I'm not. These people are shooting dope. Like, I am not it. You know? not ready. <laughs> no, oh, I was not. <laughs> Bro, they had me. They were looking at me like they were like, uh-huh. And I'm like, no. Nah. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, I got this under control. Like. And this is where I met this one kid in my life. You know, I've only known him for two months, right? And I grew this bond with him because he's my roommate in this facility. And he teaches me everything. And, you know, I thought I was, like, some woke person because I, like, you know, I took mushrooms a couple times. So, like, you know, I had all the answers, Mm -hmm. right? And this guy named Alex, unfortunately, he passed away, you know, following that year. But uh, he introduced me to so many things in life. And he was able to open my eyes to so many things. Like, hey, man, like... Yeah, like, they did something to you, but, like, look what you did. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you mean, bro? Like, yeah, but what, what was your part <laughs> in this whole situation? Like, where were you? Were you emotionally available? Did you show up? Were you sober in the relationship? Yeah. And you sit back, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm you like- have to. You have to. I, I went through a very, very similar situation. I feel like I played a big part in it in the sense of i don't think it would ever happen if i wasn't i wasn't using i was just a lying piece of shit yeah um that too and and that's that's i think what was a contributing factor but you never want to blame yourself for somebody else's actions either all i can do at this point is take responsibility for the bullshit that i've created and the things that i've done and just kind of keep fucking trucking you know and if those people want to come back around they want to have a conversation and tell me i suck and i'm a piece of shit then go with your bad self bro because there's no one harder on me than me you know what i mean there's nobody harder on me than me so i mean that's not something that would even phase me at this point um but i appreciate you sharing that so that was first round of rehab you get out of rehab, what's going on there? Where's your head at? How are you feeling? Or do you still got it? Yeah, and that's the problem right there. So I think I can control this thing, right? And I wasn't, so I was absolutely free of drugs and alcohol, but I wasn't living a life of, you know, integrity, recovery, or anything along those lines. Right. And that was the hardest part for me because it was like, well, drug it like i always assume like okay you're an addict right well like i don't do drugs so how am i an addict like i'm not an addict no more right right? so i'm living my life and i'm going and take some pictures so the only thing uh so the only thing like now like i'm left with is just myself right and i'm i'm sitting in uh i'm something i'm still home Right, because I come out of rehab and I'm home, and it's only like a 45 day program, right? Okay. And I gotta come home, and 
I remember, you know, the next thing I was supposed to be doing was going to go play summer baseball out in North Carolina because, you know, my season, I was fortunate enough to get asked to go play for this like, extremely well team. Like, Justin Verlander used to play there when he was a kid. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, it was legit. Like, my host family, like, had professional players. Like, I remember that year we had, like, six or seven people go to the draft, even the first rounder. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was legit, right? So, and it was perfect for me because I was like, I'm not going to sober living. Like, how do I get out of this, right? So, I was like, I'm going to take this and go to play baseball in North Carolina. Like, hands down, like, I'm doing it. And that was the worst decision of my life, I think. Because now I'm left, I was put into a new state, and my only way of coping was isolation. Of insane. I spent, uh, so the combined total was three and a half weeks without leaving my house. Yeah. And without doing nothing. Mm -hmm. I would order food. I mean, that's why I got, I'm like 215 right now. I sit usually comfortably at like 190. Yeah. Because I'm sitting around, I'm doing nothing. I'm smoking weed. I'm Mm -hmm. fucking just being an idiot, bro. So I totally feel the isolation. And the thing is with summer baseball and everything, it's like you're playing summer baseball, but you have to go live with host families, right? So I'm in this whole new city. I'm in this whole new town. I'm with all these new people. And they don't know who I am. That's one thing for sure. They don't know who I am, right? Being kind of in recovery, I was like, and I had a sponsor, I was like, you should probably tell them a little bit. Because I'm still a little bit insecure about myself and my addiction, right? Because I don't even think in my head that I'm an addict, right? So how do I... I don't sound like I'm some hardcore addict doing painkillers and like smoking DMT in my room. Right. Right. So like, so when I put that out in the universe and I put that outside and like allow people to hear that, now I can't really surround myself and be going around the kids that do have like do that kind of stuff, like just drinking and smoking or like stuff like that because it's like, well, something's not adding up, right? Something doesn't add up. Like, you say you're not using, but you're using, right? And I remember I was just sitting in their house and I had we had this little part of the house and I was just lonely bro like really lonely like I had a roommate for a little bit but he would always be going out you know doing things hanging out with people but I didn't know how to have fun like sober it's tough like I had no idea like everything sent around like having fun was it wasn't like going for height like that wasn't a thing for me so like I didn't nowadays like I can go for a hike and be like wow this is awesome man like I get to see it like this is beautiful like, the whole process, like, being sober and all that. I mean, back then, like, nah. Like, the only thing I thought was being fun was playing Madden or, like, MLB The Show and The House and just distracting myself for hours. It's so funny you say MLB The Show. Bro, that's all I was playing, dude. Yeah. In uh, Road to the Show mode, you know? Oh, dude. Yeah. I'm sitting there and I'm just playing godly amounts of video games. And uh, there's there one benefit of in North Carolina at that time during COVID was that they had this 24-hour gym that they allowed, like, 24 hours. So my time schedule was, like, all messed up, right? So I got games at night. I'm playing from, like, 7 to 11, right? And I'm coming home, and I'm not tired, right? So I remember after, and I would come back, and it'd be, like, 12 o'clock, right? And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not tired. Like, so I play a little bit of that movie show, and I'm like, okay, well, it's, like, 3 a.m. Might as well just stay up to, like, 5 a.m. Right, go to the gym at 5.30, like, and now I get back at, like, 7, right? And now I'm, like, actually starting to feel tired. So I would start to sleep throughout the day and wake up at, like, 4 p.m. And I'm not seeing daylight, bro. Or if I am, I'm seeing daylight from, like, 7 to 8. 
and like that's when I think like everything really started to like like depression all that stuff seeped in like I'm a big believer of like get out and go in the sun just because I lived so much time in the dark like figuratively and like literally right when they say like you know you're in addiction to dark period of life like bro I didn't see the light like in any type of way so I'm sitting in the darkness feeling the dark but I don't know man it was just it sped up really fast and I just remember feeling really lows and I didn't have drugs and alcohol to cope with anything but at that I wouldn't change that though like you know what I mean those moments and those times where I was really like alone and I wasn't like socialized like they taught me something about myself that today I'm able to look back on and be like that experience isn't lost like did that suck ass like yeah like I would never go back if I didn't have that pain today I remember that pain using drugs and alcohol would seem so much more appealing but like now since I think of like okay like you know I'm still a little bit younger and like it's like 24 and all my friends are still going to bar well now I can see and be like well like like it's one sip of alcohol and the next thing you know I'm going to be using painkillers and smoking fucking DMT like that doesn't even like and I know where that will bring me so I'm like nah no it's not worth it not worth it at all yeah it's scary it's probably really scary too when you know what your triggers are you don't you know what i mean and and being your age especially is a big thing because you're right that's everybody dude that's all they do right if you were to ask a girl out on a date i don't know if you have a girlfriend or not but if you but like what does she want to do she wants to go get drinks yeah always bro it's like the first thing they said first hey man let's go grab a drink it's like yo I can't. Yeah. I mean, I can, but you don't want that. And, I'm, and that's something hard because it's like, at that point in my life, I wasn't okay with, like, sharing this side of myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't going to get vulnerable. Like, hell no. Like, I'm not going to tell you anything about myself. Like, I'm some tough dude. Like, I need to put on this act. I need to put this mask on, and I need you to think about me like this. Because if you don't, I'm going to be thinking what you're thinking about me. And this is going to be the back and forth of, like, so did you so you're playing ball you're driving yourself crazy here oh yeah insane when did you relapse i relapsed so it's actually pretty like off of straight willpower and like not really working a program like i remember i went back to school and i had a coach that was like pretty like i was able to be kind of transparent with which is like really rare for me okay you know and like that's something i don't do so i was able to kind of talk about it a little bit feel uncomfortable because i'm just like why am i talking about myself why am I actually talking about, like, stuff that I struggle with? Like, that's a sign of, like, weakness, mm-hmm. right? And all these, like, stereotypical stuff. But he was able to set me up with this, you know, former player that played at Manhattan, and uh, he helped me big time just because he was in the program, right? And he, and I would say stuff, and I just know, because, like, now sitting in my position, I'm like, dude, I was, I was, like, full of shit. Well, hold that thought, because... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bro. I'm gonna call him out. His name is Sean Payne. He was my boss in Bedford, and at a Mitsubishi dealership I was at out there. Right after I went through this breakup and lost my jo- other job, dude. I never once showed up to that job not hungover. Mm-mm. Multiple times on like I'm, I've been up for 48 hours, oh, haven't yeah. slept at all. When I finally you know, started changing, started some fixing some, some things about me. We had started to speak again. Actually, it was only a couple of weeks ago we spoke. He goes, isn't it funny you don't think 
anybody knows. Isn't it fucking hilarious? You don't think anybody knows. You look back now, you're like, I'm a fucking idiot. You think you're like, yo, I'm like Batman, bro. Like, yeah, you think you're slick. At night, like, I am this different man, and during the day, nothing. Like, you can't tell. Right. But then you're like, oh my god. I'm getting to the point in my recovery where like I'm gonna be sponsoring people and people come up to me and talk to me and like beatings and stuff. But I see myself in them, so it's trippy as hell. See, and I'm not like full blown sober. Yeah. But so and I never pretend to like run a run a strong program or anything like that. Yeah. I know you know, my big problem was always cocaine. Yeah. You know, I mean that was that was my big thing and then it became worse when I started mixing Xanax with it. Oh yeah, up and downers. Yeah, I did. Just a little speedball for you? Yeah, I did. Uh, the last hurrah with it was in May the 24th of last year. A ball of Coke, maybe a little bit more, and snorted three Xanax bars. I was just ready to die yeah, in a six-hour span. Mm-hmm. So I No, mean, is that real, though? It yeah. It's that serious. People always ask me, too, personally. They're like, what was, like, why were you, like, doing that? I'm like, well... First off, I believe there's, like, no such thing as like, recreationally doing heroin. Like, you're not just like, oh, my life's going great. I'm going to do heroin. Right. You know what I mean? Something inside of me was broken. And I didn't care, like, whatever it was. Get out of that situation. I'm not feeling that way for any longer. You're just, like, more and more, bro. Tolerance. Like, that thing's real. Like, you got to go another one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's And it's more and more. And I always laugh because I was, I remember just trying to trick myself being like, no, dude, you, you don't have to do this today. It's no, all good. Yeah. Or it normally that thought for me at least was in the mornings because I'd be driving to work on an hour or two of sleep, fucking probably still drunk, picking coke out of my nose. Oh, yeah. Thinking about all the things I did wrong to lose my last relationship. I'm just miserable, right? Dude. And then I'm like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm sick of feeling like this. And then I get out of work. Second wind hits me. And we're off to the races for another night. The battle for me, too, is like... Because I tried to stop, like, way before, you know, getting to the low of my first rehab. Like, mm-hmm. it would be the same cycle of, it's Monday right now. Well, like, you know, I'll do it till Wednesday, right? But Wednesday, I'm going to be a new person. I got it all figured out by Wednesday. And then I'm like, I'm already halfway through the week, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Like, Friday's right there, but, like, Friday, I'm a new person. And then Friday would come, and I'd be like, well, it's the weekend, dude. You know? Like, how, you can't get clean on the weekend. We'll just do it Monday. Yeah, Monday. But Monday, dude, that's me. Like, yep. I'm good Monday. Like, so it'd be that same cycle, and that shit went on for, like, six to months to a year, bro. Mm-hmm. Of the same, like... That was me, too. That's, like, same time. Wait, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Like, mm-hmm. that was the cycle I played in my mind, because I was like, I don't even want to do this shit no more. You get sick of yourself. Oh, dude. You get sick of yourself. Fast. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to do this. But I couldn't stop. Like, I legit couldn't stop. And that was the worst part for me because it was like I knew I was going to be getting drug tested. God forbid I didn't get hit by the NCA for a drug test. All right. Waking up every day with that anxiety. I need to stop for this drug test, but I can't. That was the battle. Okay, if I want to play at the next level like you can't have a supposed to be taking yeah, you have name. opioids in your system <laughs> yeah, when you're like, getting drug tests yeah they're not going to be into that yeah so like if i wanted to play at the next can't be using drugs no exceptions like i don't care who you are but i would play that in my mind like okay well if i did get caught right how do i spin this right do i just go full blown like I was really depressed. Like, how do I spin this in my favor? And that's wild. That's where your head goes. It's not, let's stop. It's how can I fake this out? Yeah, how can I fake this out? It's crazy. But that was a constant battle for me. Any month I can get drug tested. 
how do I get these drugs out of my system as fast as possible? Potentially being picked, scariest, like, didn't eat. I would probably lose 10 pounds. Not even from what I'm using the whole time, too, right? It's just based off shirt, like, anxiety and me being a head case. And I would lose weight that fast because I was like, dude, I can't stop and I need to stop. Mm-hmm. The main guy at that point, I was like, well, if I get, if my teammates are going to hate me, bro. They need me out there. So, like, how, the team's relying on me. My coaches are relying on me. And they're thinking, from my understanding, they're thinking I'm all good. You know what I mean? I'm doing my stuff. But realistically, like, people are looking at me like, what the fuck is this kid doing? This isn't, like, this is going to catch up. Like, I don't know when it's going to, but something's going to hit me one time. But I would just keep, like, like a bulldozer, bro. Keep going through it. Yeah, it didn't matter that much at that point. It was about the drugs. Yeah, the drugs. Okay, so you're full-blown within college baseball at this point. Yeah, hardcore drug addict. A hardcore drug addict. Sick of yourself. You already know what's up. Oh, yeah. 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 Now I'm starting to kind of pick on because I'm like, at this point, I'm coming back, right? It's after the COVID. I'm back at school, and I'm still miserable, and I'm like seven months clean and sober at that point. And now I'm back on a college campus, and I'm st- trying to stay sober and clean. And the only way I know how to do that at that time was to isolate myself. Okay. Because how am I going to go out? You know what I mean? Especially at college. <laughs> yeah. Like, how am I going to go out and be in a room at a bar and be like, no, I can't drink that. You know, so the only way I knew how to not do that was to remove myself from the situation. I didn't have any friends that were you know, living the lifestyle I was wanting to live. Two, I didn't know how to even do it. Mm-hmm. And three, my addiction started to grab me again. And just in terms of, like, I wasn't using, but, like, my thinking was at that point where it was, like, I'm not going to open, like, all this stuff I needed to do, like, the vulnerability, getting honest, humility, all that stuff, I wasn't doing. What, what were you using to relapse? What was that? So... At the point, so I'm clean at this point. And I remember I just went through this, like, big breakup with this chick, right? Just like yourself. Mm-hmm. I felt understood by somebody, right? And in college and being in this... Dude, I spent every waking second with this girl, right? right? It's like she was sleeping over. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I'd see her in the first thing in the morning. Like, it was almost like it was like being married in this, like, relationship, right? Yeah. And, like... There's a lot of comfort behind that. Oh, dude, so much comfort. Yeah, there's a lot of comfort behind that. And then me being an addict too, bro, there's like this power distribution like where it's like, I felt like she was her own drug in her own instance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Makes sense. She was this drug and I'm this addict, right? And I kind of feel us like separating stuff, but like me being the addict I was, how do I manipulate this? And like, how do I bring this back into a form where it's like, you're not going nowhere right because i need what you're giving me right and that was like another battle with stuff so i remember this relationship is on the it's on the end right and we're already like kind of breaking up kind of not breaking up like and all this stuff and yeah shit just got really fucking wicked because now i'm like everything collapsed right and the girls man they're devastated like that's a yeah. whole different blow, bro. It's a different one. I think even for me, I think the hardest part was I was a lying piece of shit, yeah. doing the wrong thing, and then that was the only person ever in my whole life that yep. was close to me that rather than just taking my shit and going, oh, that's just Roger. Yeah. That was somebody who held me accountable. Yeah. And I didn't realize it at the time. 
I look back now and I couldn't be more thankful for it because I'm not here. I kill myself 100%. Oh, yeah. I'm just miserable, man. And so, um, but yeah, man, that that's tough. That's yeah. a bitch, dude. So were you, so you then do you start doing drugs while you're with her then or after the break? So I was using, and that was the year before, right? So I'm using, but like at this point, I'm back on campus. I'm, you know, I'm sober and my relationship's now going to shit. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, dude, I can't get away from this. Mm-hmm. So I'm left there and I'm like, that was the only thing left at that point because it was like I wasn't getting any like you know stimulus from all these drugs and alcohol and this was the only type of like thing I mean the only type of person that understood me and I don't even know how much she really understood me she probably knew me a lot better than I thought she did but like me being the head case I was and not being able to be present in the relationship me being able to you know but that's not, that's what makes it worse though right it's <laughs> like know. you were putting up with all my shit trying yeah. to make me better and then I just fucking burned you dude yeah yeah and then you know the per- person I was was like okay like she's the bad person like look what you did to me and that's where like you know I'm able to see that now and be like wow like Nick come on yeah. you know but I don't want to say it's like after that instance I decided to relapse and do that but like because there was so much leading up to that, bro. If I was, like, working, doing what I was supposed to be doing and all this, that would have been a lot more manageable. Mm-hmm. But, like, I remember that happened. I'm not going to feel happy in my own way. Do you... How long ago was that now? You're young. You're 24. 24. That was when I was 22. So two years ago, two and a half years. Yeah, I think it's important. Like, for me, I won't date right now. No. I won't. Because I'm just not there. No. I think I would I be a shitty that. boyfriend. I date Ubi. That's all. I just come out here with Ubi, my producer. Right, Ubi? (laughs) I'm just kidding. But no, for real, I won't date right now because I feel like I would... I just feel like that's not where my head is. Yeah, no. You know, and I feel like in a lot of ways this might sound kind of weird, but I already feel like I found that person and lost them. Yeah. Does that make sense? So I just just really don't feel like I'm even close. Yeah, I feel like for me, too, it's like I finally was able to give something like give out a part of myself mm-hmm. and open i opened the doors which is you know i never did that in the first place so i allowed it out now if anybody tries to get in like you don't have to break open a safe do you did you let her in or did she kind of pry the door open on on figuring you out because like mine was more i was getting figured out yeah that's more how it came to me but she gave me a trillion opportunities to say hey man you know we t- like my house burned down right mm-hmm. and i told her i had renter's insurance and this whole story to make myself feel good yeah dude right? that's crazy right? right but the reality of is that wasn't true and that was even before her but um there was countless things like that i couldn't even name all of them and I, i'll tell you what neither could she there were so many oh yeah you know and um but she like getting broken down like that it's scary to be vulnerable for people like us. Oh, yeah. Right? We're afraid of that. Probably because, you know, I've been burned in the past by people. I don't yeah. like people knowing really what's going on or where I'm at or what I'm doing. Um, so to have somebody break down that wall for me, man, was, it was, I mean, that's why we're here, you know. And yeah. for you, that's got to be, that's got to be tough still. I think for her, and I'm just going off base of assumption, she was, you know, we were younger at the time, right? And I think she was a little bit younger than me. She was about two years younger. Mm-hmm. But she was doing probably the best she knew how to do. Like, she was obviously, like, I say I was kind of like an open book. I was not an open book. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah, me neither. Completely. Like, but I thought in my head, the narration I told myself was like, yeah, like you're telling her what you need to tell her. Like, she doesn't need to know about this because this is not good. Like, I don't want to bring this into this because she's going to either think something of me and leave me. Like, that possibility of leaving me. It's no, it never like was that, for me. Cut it. Like, yep. That's not, that doesn't even exist. It's like, yo, this is the best thing I've ever had. Yeah. This is the only person I've ever cared about this much. But you know what's weird? I don't know if you've ever thought about it like this. Because I had a therapist ask me, he goes, uh, you know, did you love her? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, with all my heart, want to say yes. But that's not how you treat somebody you love. Yeah. Right? So it's like that, I think, to this day. And I think about it every day. But I, I'm excited to maybe find that answer one of these days. Because yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. Because I feel like if I said, yeah, I really love that person, I feel like it would be insulting. Because, mm-hmm. like, you don't treat people like shit. Yeah, that actually that hit me hard right there. Yeah. Because, like, now I'm thinking about it, I'm like, damn. Like, my first thing was like, no, nah, I loved her. You know what I mean? Oh, me too. Hunter. But then it's like you think about it. You're like, well... Do you lie? Do you not? Do you hide things? Do you, you know? And it's it's all these crazy things where like, yeah, it makes you think, man. But what sucks more than even that is understanding the time and the energy and the heart that that particular person put into loving you and knowing they did, Mm -hmm. you know, and that. You know, it doesn't really fuck with me anymore. It doesn't keep me down. It motivates me mm-hmm. to be better. But yeah. yeah, I think that is an important question to ask yourself. And I think it's important to me now because I do look forward to that day where I can say, "I you listen, I truly love somebody. Yeah. You know, and get to that point. Um, but that's crazy. So we'll get back to it here. You're, you're in your room. You're isolated. You can't be around these people. What was that moment where you decided... I'm going to go get fucked up. So I remember it was like probably I was able to hold like sobriety and clean time for like probably two, three months in college. And then all this stuff went down with this chick again. And I was just like, no, like I got to do it. Like, mm-hmm. boom. And I remember I literally just took a sip of alcohol. And the next thing you know, I just railed a line of Adderall. And then I was just looking for any type of way to find like opiate on the streets because i don't have a prescription at this point oh okay so this is when it's like starting are you eating them or are you snorting them snorting them eating dude okay whatever okay yeah so it's like at this point i'm like well i don't have this prescription i know how this makes me feel so i need to get this fast and at this point in time this is like when all this like fentanyl stuff was coming out yep and all this kind of you know dangerous stuff and i remember uh was doing anything I could to find it. And I was trying to make, like, makeshift at that point because I didn't know anybody at that point because I never had to buy it off the street, right. let alone find it for myself. It's a hard life, son. You yeah. go on those quests, bro. Yeah, the quest. <laughs> literally, like, so I'm going, like, dude, I remember I would find myself in the worst parts of the Bronx in New York looking to get some. And nobody knew this about me. Like, I remember I would randomly, like, leave and people would be like, where were you? I'd be like, no, nah, I was just, like, you know putting in work for baseball realistically i'm trying to find like somebody that could supply me with some good drugs that Mm -hmm. weren't going to kill me yeah and like that was the biggest secret for me i started to even believe the lies i was telling myself i'm putting all this work in to get back on the field i wasn't even going to the gym bro. which is why lies perpetuate if you believe what you're saying and you sound like you're in the same boat i was at that point you know is 
you perpetuate. Ah, I got away with that one, you know? Yeah, how do you keep elaborating the story, right? I remember I was telling this to, like, you know, my ex-girlfriend, and, like, her friends were like, something's not adding up. You're li-. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, in my head, I'm telling this. And you're like, just gaslighting the fuck out of her. Oh, dude. Like, I'm like, I was even aware of what gaslighting was at that time. I was just doing it. So I was just, like, telling these, my friends were like, that's not adding up. Like, he said he was there, and now he's there. Like, all this stuff was, but in my head, like, the narration I was telling myself was making sense. Okay, well, like, I was there, this, there, like, all these places. But in realistic, like, there was flaws in my story. Big flaws. There were red flags everywhere. And it was just a matter of time until she saw him, and she was like, okay, like, I can't. You know what I mean? It just got to that point where it was just like, we get no more. Mm-hmm. But I just remember, like, Every time I would tell the story, like something had, like something changed in it, because I wasn't even in my right mind to keep the story alive. And it's so hard to keep track. That's of. problem with lying. You can't keep shit straight. So and I you just can't be remember, it, bro. Like I'm like I don't even know what I was saying. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, and that's it's the hard part about. It. I feel like any relationship or any even you know friendship for that matter, right? I mean, it's you have to be transparent. You have to be. We had a situation the other day where we found out somebody wasn't super transparent with us, and it's just like. It puts you in a bad spot. You know what I mean? It puts you in an awkward situation. It puts you in a another situation. And unfortunately, in this particular situation, we lost 300 bucks, technically. And that's fucked. Yeah. You know? But you know what's crazy, too? You probably look back now and you're like, yo, like, why did she stay? Why did she tolerate it for as long yeah. as she did? You know? And why was she such a kind person, just such a shitty person at the time? And sometimes man those people i feel like just come through our lives for that reason yeah. you know and they make us better and we'll never find better i mean that's how i feel right now i fucking yeah. hope i'm wrong yeah, you I know, know dude. and i, I fucking like, hope i'm wrong where i'm like damn but you know what's also cool is once you hit this headspace at least for me it would it became one of those things where it was like wait a second if i ever want to claim to have said that i really love that person then i have to be willing to say I do want the best for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want you to be happy. Um, I want you to kill it in your career. I want you to have beautiful children and be an amazing human being um, just like you are now. I, that's what I want. And and the only bitterness that's left is the one for myself. Yeah. You know? I know you feel that. Oh, yeah. I can feel that. And it's like, you know, as I progress along my journey in recovery and stuff like that and you know, you get to this big amend step, right? You mm-hmm. write down all the people that you hurt, right? And my first, like, couple of people I wrote were ex-girlfriends. Boom, right off the bat. Yeah. And the way I thought about it was like, oh, I get to talk to these people again, right? I get to, you know, hopefully, like, have a relationship. Well, my sponsor was like, hold up there, buddy. You know, maybe your amends to this chick is never speaking to her again. And that was the hardest thing that ever hit me because it's like, I say that I loved her, I did all this, but like, yeah. and like you were saying, like, all you want for them to have now is success. All you want them to have is a family, a beautiful family, kids, all this stuff. And tough, like, maybe my, I'm not in her life. It's hard all. to reason with it. Like, I maybe need to, yeah. And like, that's something I am not, was re- I wasn't ready to hear at that moment. And it's still, that's recent, bro. Like, where it's like, I gotta stop doing damage. You know what I mean? Cause I'm not using, but like, create a hellstorm if I wanted to. Right, we all can. Man, I got a six-year-old son. So, in my situation, she was very involved. I mean, she was she was with him for half his life, you know. And the way it ended was 
fucked up. But let's just say, theoretically, I was the only person that did anything wrong in the whole relationship, right? And when she left, obviously, the intent was to get married. I had a ring. Mm -hmm. My son loved her. We had a place together. We were talking about buying a house and, and doing all these things. And then all of a sudden, one day, it's gone. But it goes to show you what your actions can create. Yeah. Right? And so, like, for me to look back and go, well, I selfishly wish you would have stayed to see this part of me and all these things. It's like, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Right? That'd be so cool to meet that person right now. Oh, awesome. Right? Because that person would love me. I'd be honest with them. I'd be honestly able to say I love them back. Yeah. But just like you said, sometimes that amends... Like my amends, my mine's court ordered, so I I can't make no amends there, anyways. <laughs> That's not happening. But yeah. I wouldn't. I'll, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't anyways, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't anyways because I already did enough to you, man. Yeah, you know, I already did enough at that point, and it's not for me to reach out. I am apologetic. I'm sorry. It is something that I think about. I swear to God, first thing in the morning when I wake up. There's parts of it that eat me up all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I've done a pretty good job, I think, recently in the last, like, six months-ish or so of turning that into motivation. Yeah. You know, because, like, you know, I can't change any of it. No. Nope. You know, as much as I wish I could. But what I can do, though, is show all those other people that I can make amends with that I'm worth it. Yeah. You know? Was it really difficult or did you have anybody that you went to make amends with that didn't want to hear it? And the first, so I'm back around this cycle. And the first time, you know, I really didn't go through my program the way I was supposed to. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just did it to get through it and get this guy off my back, my first sponsor. So I was, I remember I was reaching out to people and, and they were just like, nah, like you don't seem like you've changed. You know what I mean? Like, there's some type of hidden, like, why are you doing this, right? I wasn't this new person. I wasn't living my life with this. So hopefully this time around, I'm able to, you know, be face-to-face. Because there's a lot of people I got to go up to. And and I want to sit face-to-face with. Like, I want to be there and be like, and say, hey, I'm sorry. And listen to the pain. Because I think it's important for me to see what I did to them. You know, I want to sit there and see and be present, obviously. And sit there and be like, okay, like, Nick, like, this is what you did. But not, like go there and be like, oh, but look what you did. Like, you know, like none of that stuff. Like sit there and be like, hey, I'm genuinely sorry. I messed up. Like I messed up big time. Mm -hmm. Today's podcast is brought to you by one of the absolute best real estate agents in the Cleveland market, Tom Sugar with Howard Hanna Real Estate. Tom's here to help you understand the home buying and selling process. He's here to ensure that you're also always going to get the best price, whether you're buying a home or whether you're selling a home, and his customer service skills are top notch. Give Tom a call at 216-406-2841. That's 216-406-2841. You can call or text him or visit his website, ShugSells.com, S-H-U-G-S-E-L-L-S.com. Visit Tom Sugar, everybody. He is the best. You're playing baseball. You're in the middle of an addiction, a hardcore addiction. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot, actually, to maintain it once, dude, to be playing baseball yeah. in a relationship, doing all these different things. And then you said you got hurt. Yeah, so 
when I get back on campus, right, and this is after that COVID year and, you know, through that huge breakup and all this, and now this is when the line really has progressed, right? So I'm, ta- I'm saying to people that, hey, like, I'm going to go work out. I'm going to go to the training room, get some treatment for my elbow, the stuff I was supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. right? So it sounded good. And I knew how to phrase it to make it sound great. So realistically, I'm going on this hunt to go find drugs. I'm going on this hunt to go get high. I'm going on... You know, all these adventures that have nothing to do with baseball. But everybody thinks I'm doing baseball. So, you know, you add that up over time, and it's like, well, I'm putting so much time and effort at this. Well, this is, you know, it's where you put your time and energy. Well, that's going to sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. So now I'm not doing the stuff I'm supposed to be doing. And I already ha- I'm already predestined to injury, right? Because I already had an injury. And I had a UCL, so it's a ligament. So you're supposed to be doing treatment for that, especially if you're going to be playing at a high level and you're going to be putting that workload and stress on your elbow. Well, yeah, you're a pitcher too, by the way. Yeah. Nick's a pitcher for those who don't know. <laughs> so I'm supposed to be doing all this stuff, and I'm just not. Ruby's a catcher. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm supposed to be doing all this kind of stuff, right? And I'm just not doing it, right? So now I'm going to the field, and now my performance is starting to take like a, a side turn. Like, it's like, okay, what's going really going on with this kid? Because it's like, I know we're in fall ball, and we have scouts coming. Because based off the last season, I'm doing really well, and we have all these guys that are going to get drafted and all this stuff. And I'm taking – my velo is taking a big dip. Right. My stuff doesn't even – I look like a shell of a person, right, while in addiction. So I have now withdrawals because I'm not finding the stuff that I should be – like, I can't find, right? I'm not finding the good stuff or, like, the stuff that I'm used to taking. All I have is now, I think I still have my Adderall prescription. Uh, I would replicate, like, you know, painkillers with, like, smoking a bunch of weed and all this stuff. So I was, like, pretty much, like, I'm high out of my mind when I'm playing. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to take Adderall to compensate for all the other stuff. And it's just, like, I'm not that, like, and that would hyphenate all the anxiety. So I'm a head case, bro, on the field. That's the last place you want to be a head case. So I can't even, I'm a shell of a person. And I'm just trying to put it, I'm just trying to make it to the next second, bro. Right, yet alone try to perform and try to get to the next level. So all that stuff started to really speed up, and like, I was like, oh my, like the baseball is probably not it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm destroying this as as the second and minutes go on. Right. Like I'm I'm pitching, and what I used to remember is all these scouts writing stuff down, staying for all the inning. All this, now they're just leaving, bro. And like that's like kind of like a a blow on myself, my self esteem, like everything that. You know, because that's another form of adversity. Because it's like, what? Why is he leaving? Mm-hmm. And that's almost like bringing me to like, why did other people leave out of my life? You know, all this stuff. So I'm just like, head case. And I remember like getting to the point where I'm like, okay, my elbow's starting to hurt. All this stuff. I'm not the person I am. Uh, I'm the shell of I am. Like I remember, I lost. Like I had went down in the rotation just because like I was. My coach was like, what's going on with you, bro? Like right. you're still gonna be starting, but like you got to get your stuff together. Like, something's wrong with you. And uh, I remember just, like, you know, instead of talking about it, you know, doing the classic, you know, addict mentality, just going through it, taking more drugs, you know, all this stuff. And that later on, you know, fast forward a couple, you know, weeks, we got the season right around the corner. I remember we had a uh, scrimmage, and this was, like, when I was finally putting it back together. Like, I'm slowing down the usage. I'm getting over the withdrawals, not like through like detox or anything, just like going through it, going through it. Yeah, that's the worst. That's the worst part. Not having like a medical attention, like detox is 
God, like, God bless that place, bro. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so I'm finally getting over this hump. And I go out for this, and this, uh, this scrimmage, this inner squad, my last one before, you know, my first start of the season. And I finally, my stuff looks, I, I, I somewhat look like I'm putting it back together. Like, Velo's shooting up a little bit. The slider's looking better. Change up everything command. Like, punching out dudes like I usually do. And I remember, you know, because of all the stuff that I wasn't doing, like going to the treatment and whatever, finally caught up to me, and I popped my UCL in that inner squad in, like, the last inning. And I remember, too, because I felt it before, and, like, my mentality was go through it. You know what I mean? So if I maybe was able to, like, stop in that moment, I probably could have saved something, but I couldn't. You know what I mean? So, like, everything caught up to me at that moment. You know what I mean? And I was, like, sitting there, and I was, like, remember having this thought where I was, like, this is it. Like, this You tear your UCL again. You said you were, like, you felt it going to be going bad, and then yeah, it went bad. So, leading up to that, like I was saying, like, you know, I was supposed to be doing all this other stuff. I'm on all these adventures to find drugs, do drugs, you know, just not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm going over, I'm getting over the hump of all this withdrawal. So, like... You know, I'm finally, I feel like that part of my life is finally, we're on the back burner. Like, it's mm-hmm. in the rear view mirror for once in my life. I go and I, you know, get ready for this inner squad. Everything feels good. I start pitching. I start to look like myself in a very long time, at least six months. And I'm like, okay, like, the light's here. Like, I'm, it's coming together, whatever. The inner squad, like, I remember ramping up because got, I got to start the next week. So, like, I'm throwing four to five innings. I remember in that fourth inning, something, like, feels weird. But, you know, me not being able to stop, always going, like, came out for the fifth. Whatever, whatever. The weather was getting bad, too, so it was, like, the last inning. So I remember I felt it again. And I'm like, oh, dude. And I have to come out. And I'm like, oh. Like it, and I'm trying to, like, play it off like it's a forearm. Mm-hmm. I think I even said it was a hip flexor. Oh, like, really? Like, completely different body. Yeah. Part. Just to throw everybody, like... That's when, like, my anxiety started to really pick up again. I'm like, oh, dude, like, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, there's, no, like, I don't, nothing, I have no idea. And I haven't, I haven't got an MRI or anything, but, like, you know, like, I'm left with my own device, my head, and. Plus, you paid, felt that pain before. Yeah, and So I'm you like, kind of knew. Oh, I'm like, yeah. But, like, I'm trying to say, I'm trying to remain positive. I'm like, no, nah, like, everything's good. Like, let's just get through it. And uh, later on, I I figure out that, uh, you know, I did pop my UCL again, and the only way I could, you know, play again is if I got another reconstruction surgery. So uh, I didn't even process that when it happened. I tried to just avoid, and I went right back into using heavy again, like instantly. I was going to ask. That was my next question is how how long did that take you? seconds. How long after, so that happens baseball at this point is done yeah done done and you had spoken about earlier like had taken a toll on you what was the final moment what was your rock bottom when you said i need help all that ends i get the mri results i'm headed back to campus and i'm on the car ride back and i get a call from the doctor and the first thing i did was i didn't even answer it Mm -hmm. because i was like i know so and i wait five minutes and I'm taking a uh, ride back with my mom to campus. She's dropping me off. And then I, as soon as I get out of the car, I pick it up. I talk to it. I didn't tell nobody. I got the call, like, anything. And he told me, and I remember being so nonchalant, like, oh, yeah, like, 
know, act playing it cool. Mm-hmm. And after that, he has to give me the call, and then he gives my coach the call. Then I start getting co- calls from my coach. This was like literally, the, I think, one of the last times I actually spoke to my coach in like a year following that because I was just like, everything shut down. Right. And the only thing I knew was I had an apartment. I was going back there. They, my oh, my whole team was leaving to go play a series the next week. So now I have like I really don't have anybody to hang with. So now I'm just left with myself in my apartment. No sports again. Felt this pain again, but it was twenty times worse. Right. And I remember just going really through my addiction, and you know it took a and I was in that again addiction for about a year because I was so like no I don't need help. So that lasted for about a year after that. Oh yeah, a good year. Okay. But throughout that process though, and like I don't even know how I really put it together, but I was like okay, well like I was always dabbling in like video editing and making stuff and all that, so I started really doing that. Like I would get like like messed up and I would just do that mm-hmm. spend hours in my room and do that kind of stuff and I didn't really do it because I liked it like it was just to distract myself like how do I pass time to get to the next moment or whatever you know what I mean because I, I don't know what I'm doing like yet alone I'm not even going to class so like I, the only reason I went to class was to just play straight survival mode yeah. yeah so straight survival and now of course I'm, I'm editing I'm doing all this video stuff and whatever so I do that for a little bit of time and then you know, the next thing comes to next, it's like, I have to leave, and I have to go back home. And I knew that I wasn't going to go back to campus. They were trying to say, like, you could rehab it, you know, all this kind of stuff. And like, I was just like, yeah, 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 I was playing along with it. Right. And I remember I even played along with it until the following semester where I was still on the roster because I was probably going to try to come back or whatever, figure it out. Right. And uh, I did it. You know what I mean? So I then progressed in that I was at home now with all my old friends, you know. And the only thing I did with the cope was to go to bars, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, drugs and alcohol, I met a lot of people too, right? And a lot of people saw it. And I always kind of shared, like... It's not know, always great people either, huh? Yeah, no, not the best. No. Not the best. Not, not the, the best they are going to help you, you know, mm. stay on this path. They'll be your friend in that moment, but the reality of it is it's probably because they're dealing with something similar, and definitely something oh, similar yeah. as addiction-wise, because we're all here for a reason. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I knew it was bad was when my, like, the guy I was picking up from was like, dude, like, yeah, I think you should slow down. I'm like... <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, who are you telling that? Like, yeah, dude, what? when your drug dealer tells you to stop, bro, that's what you that's know. That's a problem. Dude. Yeah. And he was like, he's like, yeah, dude, like you're like coming like every week and like, you're picking up a lot of stuff and like, and I'm like, dude, like I'm paying your rent, bro. You know, like yeah, like fuck off, get my drugs, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you were like just so yeah. bad. So how bad. much money were you spending on just like? Just drugs. Just drugs. Drug, drugs and alcohol. Drugs and alcohol. I know I was bringing all the money in from, like, social media. I was spending it straight on drugs. Like, I, I didn't have to pay rent or anything because I was living back at my parents' house. So, right. like, 1000 to 1500 almost a week and a half. Yeah. That sounds about right. Just, like, with everything. Yep. And uh, I know, like, I was the type of dude, too, that was, like, oh, I had, everyone knew I had drugs. So, like, I would always, like, give some out and this and that. But every time I got, close, like, down to, like, the end of it, I was, like, don't talk to me, like... This yeah. is grind time, like, until I pick up again. So, I remember, like, that's when everything started spinning. So, now I'm at home, and, like, dude, my drug addiction is so bad. We're, like, I'm taking such high quantities of just everything that, like, I'm staying up for, like, 48 yep. hours. Like, and I'm leaving, and I'm going to the city to go hang out with people that 
you know aren't necessarily the best of me i had like i had see like i had two different types of crowds i would hang out with the crowds that like were good for me a little bit but like i would only hang out with them when i was high mm-hmm. and then the ones that when i wasn't high i needed to get like i would hang out with the other people that i always kept like to the the back, like nobody yeah. knew about yeah. nobody knew about like and i hid from them like i hid from everybody else and that's where i would get all my drugs right and I remember I was able, like, and in the whole time too, I'm still like building my social media, but I'm not there. Like, dude, I can't even like yet alone like show up and be responsible. Like, I can't show up present. I'm not gonna show up anywhere on time. Like, if you say meet at one, like I'm gonna be there at five. Yeah, you know. And it's not because like I don't respect you. Right? It's just because like I literally like I'm in this constant battle where it's like two people going down a mountain road and meeting in the middle. It's like Lord of the Rings type stuff. Right. Like, I need to survive. So, I know even some of the jobs I was getting paid for, I wasn't even, even to hold them, right? Just, like, videography stuff. Uh, I was working with a bunch of artists in the city. I was working as a social media manager for some of these uh, athletes and stuff like that. And I wasn't even, dude, I couldn't even be. I, I was not. Couldn't be a, you couldn't even be reliable. Because oh, you weren't even reliable to yourself. No, I couldn't even. Yep. But I, but to land clients, I would always speak to talk the game. You know what I mean? I could land you. And I could get your money, but as soon as you gave me your money, that was that was just to survive to get the drugs. Yeah, right? and then once the and then once the money's gone, that yeah. doesn't matter anymore. And the only time that I would, you know, want to talk to you or whatever is when the next month will come and you need to pay me again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and that's a lot of people that I owe amends to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I still have to, you know, find ways that I can pay that back in forms that are just like. Not even just, like, giving money, but just, like, how do I contribute and, like, be better and, like, make amends. But then I remember, like, it got so bad again, and then everything was so bad. Like, all my relationships went to shit. When was, what was the rehab moment? The what rehab the moment point where, was, like, I have to go back? Oh, back to rehab? So, you know, it was just, like, a typical Monday morning, and I wake up, and I'm like, why are there so many fucking cars in my driveway, right? And I walk downstairs, and it's and I'm living with my mom at this time, mm-hmm. and it's my whole fucking family. Oh. Yeah, dude, intervention style. Like this man, Mark. Uh, Mark comes up to me. I think his name was, and no, Brad. Brad's his name, the interventionist. And Brad comes. Oh, up they to brought me. in an interventionist. Oh yeah, they went everything. Big dogs. They went big dogs for me. And Brad comes shakes his hand. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing in my house? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's like, hey, Brad. I mean, hey, Nick. This is Brad. And I was like, hey, can you sit down? And I just see everybody with a fucking piece of paper. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I can't. Like, what are you guys doing, bro? Like, all, I'm not even high for this right now. Like, all this. Yeah. And I'm not even high for this. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there, right? And I'm like, thinking of any way I can get out of this. Like, I know I'm supposed to go play golf with my boys uh, in Philly. Mm-hmm. And I don't. And two, week, two days before that, I crashed. I totaled my car, bro. I hit oh, a light shit. pole. Oh. Like, God forbid, no DUI, no nothing. I wasn't, like, anything like that. So I had no means of transportation. That puts you down, too. Yeah, so I'm like, I have no escape route. So now I'm sitting here, and I got my family, I think, like, six, seven of them, all reading papers to me, crying, and I'm like, oh, dude. And I just remember, like, I'm just trying not to even listen. You know, like, I'm just trying to, like... Be anywhere else but there. Yeah, and, like, mm-hmm. everyone's looking at me. And I remember my mom finally got to my mom. And she just broke down. And I, <clears throat> and I looked across, and I looked at her, and I was like, oh, dude. Like, I see the pain. 
that I've caused, like yeah. the chaos, the everything, the shambles that I've put my family in that I didn't even think like they were suffering from. You know, it's you know, it's funny you say that because, like, for me to com- to compare, I went to my family. Okay. And, bro, I was such a mess. Oh yeah. And because <clears throat> it was like every night, I'm getting drunk, getting fucked up. And, like, I, prior to this breakup, was doing none of those things. I'd go out and drink excessively once in a while and smoke some weed, but I wasn't doing anything else. Mm -hmm. I was just a loser of a person as far as lying to my my ex, but I wasn't getting fucked up. And, um, you know, I'll never forget, I went to my brother and my sister and my dad outside of a bar. We were out drinking at the time, and I just told them the problems I was having. My dad had similar issues with cocaine in the past. And um, my dad had pulled me aside. And he goes, uh, he goes I'm going to give you one piece of advice. And he had been through this with my family before. He goes, don't tell anyone else. And I was like, okay. Now, at this point, I've already decided I needed help. Mm-hmm. So my thought is, is, well, he's an addict. I'm telling everybody else. Yeah. Right? Because I'm not trusting that. Mm-hmm. So I go around. I tell everybody else. You know, this is what I'm going through. I went to my uncle Shane and and told him. And um, man, no one gave a fuck. Mm-hmm. It was so weird. Yeah. No one was like, "What can we do to help?" No one was like, everybody was literally just like, "Yeah, Rogers fucked up." Um, but everybody's like, "Rogers just fucked up." And I still look back to this day, and if I could do anything different, I'd have never said anything to them. Yeah. I, I think me saying something to them contributed to a lot of why we don't talk, we're not cool. Um, but, like, you know, like my sister, for instance, I've never met a more worthless human being while I was, like, struggling so bad. Yeah. You know, and I... And I don't mean that in, like, this hateful way or anything like that. The harsh reality of it is, is is super simple, is I didn't come to you for attention. Mm-hmm. I came to you for help. Yeah. I came to you to tell you what I'm struggling with. And then it was just like, yo, fuck them, you know? That's, that's how it felt. And I think that is a lot of what ended up motivating me. So to, to, and where I'm going with this is... I think it's so cool that you have a family would, that would do that for you yeah. because I needed that in that moment. I needed a hug. I needed someone to tell me they were there for me, whether it was a friend or whoever. And I either burned so many bridges at that point where they didn't care to do it or they just didn't care to do it. Yeah. And so I think like that's why there's, there's a, my family and I really don't get along. Not all of us, some of us, but... Um, that's interesting so definitely be thankful for that because that is definitely something that i wish i would have had when i needed it you know i think that's super cool man i think that's super cool so so you go through the addiction all that stuff now here we are on the other side bro yeah right yeah you're fucking killing it i know you're fucking killing this is a good part so uh just describe to everybody like what you do and then give me your why give me your why you do it so, you know what I do for, like, work and kind of stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so <clears throat> right now, you know, uh, I was fortunate enough to, like, you know, re, uh, re-pursue all that social media marketing stuff. Right. So, like, I was able to 
you know, continue working with athletes, uh, entrepreneurs, musicians, all people of that nature, I was able to somehow salvage that in my reputation and bring it and be present now. So it's awesome to be like able to be here as a new person and do the job that I was always supposed to be doing, but do it to the 110% ability that I can do it. Right. Because like at first when I'm doing it, I'm working at 30%, if that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's no, like I'm not here. (coughs) So I'm able to do. Well, as soon as you run out of drugs, nothing else (laughs) matters, right? Like that's how it is. So I'm able to finally like be present, be able to show up for people and stuff like that. So I'm able to make money from doing it. I'm able to, you know, not work that nine to five job and make connections, you know, necessarily to get paid off of just like networking and meeting people, you know, doing cool things like that. And then, uh, you know, over the past six months and the seven months that I've, you know, been on this journey is like, I've been able to meet and be fortunate in meeting people like Poopies, Zach Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, get into that field, like more videography and stuff that I originally actually started this off with. Right. So to see that come back, and now me being like have a new relationship with it where i'm not sitting in my apartment dude like using drugs just to time like now i'm sitting there and i'm like wow like this is cool like this is what i always like saw myself doing but like never had the time or like wanted like because i was the drugs dude i i feel it because like it's crazy for that you start doing the right thing yeah and then all of a sudden great things start to happen great thing beautiful you know that's fucking crazy so you do a lot of social media marketing you work with athletes i know you do some videotaping and stuff like that um i always finish my podcast is there anything else you want to say anything i would like to say anything Uh, yeah that you want everybody to know anything anybody that maybe uh you want them to know about you yeah so you know throughout my journey and everything that you know i experienced and stuff like that i kind of kept it you know hidden right so like I didn't really want to share it, but, uh, you know, what I've realized over the time and stuff like that, because I never really thought it was going to get better, especially like, but if you put the foundation down, you know, you do the work, you know, you, you show up, you be present, you live a life of integrity, you know, you do all these cool things that, you know, it's almost like the opposite of what I was doing. It just gets better, man, you know, and it's exciting to see, you know, the relationships that I get to build. You know what I mean? Get to meet people online like you guys and just, like, get to share my story, bro. And, like, have, like, a a life where I can, you know, inspire but also just, like, build relationships. Like, it's been an honor just to be on this podcast, bro. And just also, like... No, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, More so than you know. You. Because that's how we met, man. And um, I actually did want to ask you about that. Um, when you... Because I want to use this for my tool belt. When you have friends that you had done wrong in the past or you know lied to or done something something bad to do you feel because the way i feel about it is like sometimes i feel like i can't harp on that yeah i have to just move forward and i feel like maybe some of those people just want me on my knees saying sorry all the time yeah does that make sense but it's like at some point it's not that i'm not sorry not that i don't care but it's like i have to move on yeah I think I think for me in that specific situation is like okay I know I did stuff in the past right because my road's not clean but what can I do today Mm -hmm. to make sure my side of the road is as possible clean as possible right so like I think you know if I do make my amends but I live that life of integrity I was talking about like I do the right thing I like that the road is as clean as possible yeah I have to make my road as clean as possible because if I make my road as clean as possible I did everything I can control bro 
you know what I mean I pick up the phone I try to help you and I think that's the biggest thing for me too is like when people have done stuff to me it's like now and I see this is like where the recoveries really took a foundation is when like I'm able to look past the print like all that stuff and stay with the principles of my program mm -hmm. person uh, principles over personality right so it's like my principles be a good person be of service all this stuff I'm able to look past the person that you know and I can see that they're just struggling bro yeah. Like I was once, you know? That's crazy. And it's all true. Yeah. Um, so I always wrap my pot up with this last question. I always ask, um, where, how happy are you on a scale of 1 to 10? And then um, if you're not a 10, what do you think you could do to get yourself to a 10 or closer to a 10? I'm a low 9 to like mid to high 9. Let's go, dude. See, 10 Let's is just go. because like I got all these like goals and aspirations. Like mm -hmm. I see myself. And, but like the thing is, is like... I bet if I'm my goal is I'm still not going to be a ten, right? Because yeah. there's always going to be that next, and that's something I'm personally getting better at, you know. Because I'm always like, okay, well, my happiness is in the next place. Well, I'll never be happy now, right? You know, and I think right now is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Can't give it the whole ten, but like, dude, I'm a very extremely happy person. I've got great relationships right now, and everything in my life is going in the direction that I was always supposed to be going in. You know, I'm able to show up as a the good son. You know, be the brother that my sister was always looking for. Be the friend. You know what I mean? All this kind of cool stuff. And, you know, as this journey progresses, I can only see it getting better. So, right. you know, that's, you know, a wrap for what I got to say. But, again, thank you so much. And Dude, it's been seriously, awesome. thank you. Thank if you, you ever need anything, holla awesome. your boy. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And we'll, we'll be back in, like, two or three more days with another episode. Awesome, man. Gang, baby. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by one of the absolute best real estate agents in the Cleveland market, Tom Sugar with Howard Hanna Real Estate. Tom's here to help you understand the home buying and selling process. He's here to ensure that you're also always going to get the best price, whether you're buying a home or whether you're selling a home, and his customer service skills are top notch. Give Tom a call at 216-406-2841. That's 216-406-2841. You can call or text him or visit his website, Sugar sugsells.com s-h-u-g-s-e-l-l-s.com visit tom sugar everybody he is the best